Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Well, we are finishing off our uh, When Faith Gets Fun series. Turn to your neighbor and say, When Faith Gets Fun. When Faith Gets Fun, uh, what we've been talking about is a quick refresher. Is, uh, part one, we talked about faith over feelings, that even though we don't feel it, doesn't mean we don't have the faith to overcome that to overcome our feelings, that we need to have our faith over our feelings. Uh, Week two, we talked about um, growing faith during a famine, Um, meaning that even when life gets dry, our faith doesn't have to be dry. Our faith can actually grow um, even in the middle of the seasons that feels like a famine. Uh, A lot of us, 2020 is that season for us. But even in those kind of seasons, our faith can still grow. And then um, last week, or a couple weeks ago, uh, we talked about how our, our failure is not our faith. Uh, meaning that even if you failed in faith before, doesn't mean that you'll never have a second chance. We talk about Jonah. Jonah failed. Jonah turned his back on God, yet God still used him. Because my failure is not my faith. And so we're closing that um, series out tonight. I'm excited about it. Um, before I move any, any further, I want to welcome our online audience. Let's give our online audience a hand clap. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. Through Facebook or YouTube, uh, be sure to click that like button and share button so we can spread this message to as many people as possible. And also, guys, I know Allison talked about it, but this hoodie is awesome. It's comfortable and it's warm. So be sure to get your hoodie um, at the Connection Center. Um, it's an awesome way to disrupt your church family and also it's a really, really cool hoodie. Uh, so tonight, um, my goal for tonight is, is for us not to this leave this place on this an emotional high uh, but to, and feeling hyped but feeling whole. Uh, I know a lot of times we can get to a place where we feel emotionally high but once we leave the doors it, it leaves us. So I, I want us to talk about things tonight that fills us up on the inside and we take it with us tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Um, that way we can grow even more in our, in our walk with Jesus. And so that's what tonight's going to be all about. And we're concluding um, this series of When Faith Gets Fun. And the scripture we're going to be uh, jumping into is Luke chapter 8, uh, verse 40 through 56. Luke chapter 8, verse 40 through 56. Uh, a little context about this scripture. Jesus has just finished um, casting out a an evil spirit, it says, from a man. He, he has just finished doing that, and he is on his way to Capernaum. Uh, what is special about Capernaum um, is that the people of Capernaum know Jesus really well, um, even before his ministry, um, because Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's story time. He was born in Bethlehem. Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but he spent his adult life in Capernaum, or a lot of his adult life in Capernaum. So people in Capernaum, they know about Jesus. Okay, they know they knew him before he was doing all these things. They knew him as the son of a carpenter, not the son of God. Okay, Um, and so now he is returning to Capernaum after doing all these awesome miracles. And um, so there's a crowd gathering because their hometown hero is back in town. Um, So that's kind of context of where we pick up in verse 40. Now it says, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And following at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had only a daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. 
And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all of her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the, the crowds, they, they surround you and are, are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him and declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you healed. Somebody say, your faith. Your faith has made you healed. Go in peace. And while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But just as hearing this, Jesus answered him, Do not fear, for only believe, and she will be healed. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter him with him except Peter, John, and James, and the father and the mother of the child. And they were all weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for he, she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. See, that's what I've learned about faith. And it says in, in Scripture that faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. So if you're going to live a life of faith, you can't go by what you just see. You can't go by what you just feel. You have to be able to believe things, even if they go beyond your own understanding. And you have to believe to press forward to that. So this is what Jesus is, is teaching them. But he said, and so he, by taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned. And she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them all to tell no one what had happened. Tonight, what we're going to talk about is the faith format. Turn to your neighbor and say, the faith format. The faith format. Father, let's pray together. God, we thank you for bringing us under this house of God tonight, Father, that we're here just for one reason, and that's to grow closer to your son, God. So we thank you for miracle signs and wonders taking place. We thank you for chains falling off. We thank you, Father, that for people who feel depressed, who feel filled with anxiety, who, who feels like they don't have a clear perspective of tomorrow, God. We're going to be filled up with your spirit so much tonight that we're going to have an understanding of who you are and who we are to you, God. So, Father, we thank you that tonight is going to be a night to remember, Father, and that you're going to fill us up with your spirit, and we're going to leave this place a better person than we walked in as. We're going to leave this place closer to you than we walked in as, Father. We love you, Jesus. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. See, I don't believe that there is a specific formula to faith. I, I don't think there's a, a ABC, a one, two, three, or an XYZ to faith. But I do think there are ways that we can uh, format our life to experience more of God's power. I think there's a way that we can create an environment in our life, an atmosphere in our life, by being intentional about a few things that welcomes in the, the, the supernatural into our life, that welcomes in different things by our faith into our lives. You see, the phrase of Scripture that really inspired these talks is when, when Jesus looked at the woman, and what he said, he said, your faith has made you well. He, he didn't say his faith made you well. He didn't say your, your, your parents' faith made you well. He said, your faith has made you well. 
And the thing about that is that that was not the only time in Scripture that Jesus said that. He, he said that numerous of times throughout Scripture, saying, your faith has made you well. And that's why we look back at Scripture when it says that it is impossible to please God without faith. So that tells me there's something about this faith thing, that maybe it's not a lack of God's power. Come on. Maybe it's a lack of faith. Because a lot of times we look around and say, God, where are you? Well, why, why are things changing? And we don't take a look at what our faith is doing. And so what tonight is about is formatting our lives with a different perspective or our mindset of things that welcomes in God's power and to really live a life of faith. See, in verse 43, and it talk, it's talking about this woman. It said there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. That's a long time. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. And she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. You see, this woman was suffering from a hemorrhage, and it says that she tried everything, everything she could. She spent all her money to the point she was broke. I mean, she did everything she knew how to do to try to stop this, to try to find a, a, a solution to this problem. But not only did things get better, but things got worse. See, there's some things in our life that a self-help book will not fix. There, there's some things in our life that going on a new diet will, will, won't fix. There, there's some things in our life that's going to take a touch of God, some faith in our life for it to transform. And so this is where this woman comes to, to a halt because now she is starting to realize that I'm not, I, I can't do this on my own. As a matter of fact, I've been trying to do this on my own for 12 years. I've spent all my money. I've gone broke. And not only that, back in that time when, when you were, had a sickness or a disease, you were an outcast. Because the superstition of the time was that if you were sick and you touched somebody else who wasn't sick, you made them unclean or you made them sick. And so if you had a sickness, you were literally casted out from your family, from your friends, and you're isolated. Because nobody wanted to be around a person who could make them sick, around a person who could make them similarly unclean, that's what they would say. And what would happen is that if you were sick or you had some kind of a disease, you weren't even allowed to worship in the temple. So there's a lot of things that this disease has taken from her, that this, this hemorrhage taken from her. It not only took her money, but it took her friends, um, it took her family. It took everything that she knew and she had away from her, so much so that she was getting a little desperate. She was running out of options and resources. She had nowhere else to turn but to Jesus. What I've learned in life is that sometimes the safest place to be is when you have nowhere else to turn except to Jesus. What, what I've seen, the, the biggest breakthroughs in my life has always been when I've run out of options I've run out of the things I know how to do, and I look to the one who knows how to do everything. I look to the one who knows how to make everything right. So sometimes it takes, and why it takes sometimes desperation to get to that point is because we have to get to a point where you're saying, I ran out of money. I've run out of friends. My family isn't around me. I'm to the point where I'm desperate. Sometimes you have to be desperate for something. Is there anybody that's ever been desperate for something? Sometimes you have to be desperate, so much so for Jesus, 
that you're, that you're willing to go the extra mile, that you're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to go beyond my comfort. And that's the first format for tonight is that you have to live a life of desperation. Desperation. You have to have faith that, that isn't just, oh, well, if it doesn't happen, I'll be all right. Or, or have a type of faith that says, well, if it doesn't work out, I have plan B and C and D. I, I'm, I'll be safe. You, you have to have a type of faith that says, if this doesn't work out, God, I have nothing left. If, if this doesn't work out, God, if I, if I go in all in on you, there, there is no plan B. There is no safety net. If you have that kind of desperation, I'm telling you, every time, God's going to come through. Because he knows that all your belief and all your faith is on him. And he will never return that void. He will never be unfaithful towards us. And so this, this, this woman, she's desperate. She is looking for a change. And she hears about this, this, this man named Jesus coming to Capernaum who has just casted out a, a demon from a man and is on his way through the town. And she begins to realize that this is my moment. I'm desperate right now. And here's the thing, what we just talked about, she was not allowed to get around people. She had no business being in that crowd. If people knew that she was in that crowd, she'd been casted out. She might have been thrown in prison because that was against the rules. If you're sick, you're not, you're not around, you don't touch people, you don't get around people. You're, you're basically an, an, an afterthought. But, but she decided, she was so desperate where she said, you know what, I'm going to forget the formalities. I'm going to forget about being uncomfortable. I'm going to forget about all these things that would have keep me away from stepping out in faith. Instead, I'm, I'm desperate. And see, that's what desperate faith leads us to do is that we say, no matter what, I need a touch from Jesus. I don't care what happens. I don't care where I have to go. I don't care how long I have to pray. I'm so desperate. I know that if this doesn't work out, nothing else has. So I need a touch from Jesus. So we, we have to have some desperation for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Because, see, when, when you're desperate about God, because here's the thing, desperate, you know, that kind of gets a, a bad rap. Don't be desperate, right? Oh, she's too desperate right now. Or he's too desperate, right? It gets kind of like a bad rap. But when you're desperate about God, you never have to be desperate about anything else. That's what's awesome. When you're desperate about God, you don't have to be desperate for money. You don't have to be desperate for people's approval. You don't have to be desperate about fitting in because now you have a connection to somebody who makes all the wrongs right, who changes everything around for his glory. And so when you're desperate for him, you'll never find yourself desperate for anybody else. So y'all getting this picture. She's, she's desperate right now. And she begins to crawl through the crowd. See, well, what are you willing to do for Jesus? You know? She was crawling through a crowd. She was putting her pride down. She, she wasn't saying, God, you come to me. No, she's saying, God, I'm coming to you. I know some of us say, you know, God, if there's a moment. I, I just, you know, show me a sign, do something. No, instead, I'm going to go in prayer right now. I'm going to get on my hands and knees right now. God, I'm coming to you. I'm not going to wait for anything. I'm desperate for a touch. And this is what this woman is doing. And so there's all these people surrounding Jesus, and 
hundreds and they're, they're, a crowd has gathered and they're pressing in on them and they're pressing in on them. And this desperate woman, she's getting through the crowd, even though she's not supposed to touch anybody because they would berate her or because they would say, hey, now you just got me sick. She, she's, she's pushing through the crowd and she tries to get a touch of Jesus. And you got to get this picture. There's a huge crowd around Jesus right now. They're all touching him. Hundreds of different people are touching Jesus. But he stops in his tracks when this woman, this desperate woman, is, touches the, it says, the fringe of his garment. What that means in Scripture is, is, is not just the edge of the shirt, but back in that day, it was, it was these ceremonial tassels they had at the end of, of, of their clothing. And so it was literally like a shoelace dragging along the ground. There's no way you can feel that unless you're desperate. You see, all these people were touching him. But there's only one desperate pe- person in that crowd. And that desperate touch is what stopped Jesus in his tracks. And he said, somebody touched me. And, and, and what I like is his disciples said, what do you mean somebody touched you? Hundreds of people are touching you. Well, well you, of course, yeah, somebody knew. He said, no, no, no. I'm not talking about a physical touch. I'm talking about a faith-filled touch. I'm talking about a desperate touch. I'm talking about somebody had so much faith on the inside of them that they were willing to crawl through the crowd. They were willing to say, hey, forget the formalities. I'm going to get a touch of Jesus. He said, that's the kind of touch that stops him in his tracks. So you you got to be desperate for Jesus. That's what I've learned in my life. I never want to get to a point where I'm not desperate for Jesus anymore. I never want to get to a point where I say, God, I'm good now. Uh, thank you so much for helping me in the past, but I'm good now. And you know, I always want to say, no, God, I need more of you. I need more of you. Thank you so much for what you've done, but you have so many greater things ahead of me, and I need more of you to take that on. I always want to have that desperation for Jesus because if you live your life, and that's the first format for tonight, if you live your life with desperation, you're going to see the hand of God over your life. Because everywhere you go, you're saying, I'm desperate for a touch. I'm desperate for a move. I'm not going to settle for anything less. I need more of you, Jesus. I need more of you. You see, Jesus doesn't respond to a dull touch. He responds to a desperate touch. He responds to people who, who want more of him. He, want, he, he responds to, to, to people who are saying, God, I, I'm not in here. I'm not praying. I'm not coming to church just to check this off my list. I'm, I'm desperate for you. That's why when, what I love about Riverside Church, we clap our hands and raise, or we clap our hands and raise our hands, and sometimes there might be tears in our eyes, is because we're desperate for Jesus. We, we know what would happen if he wasn't in our lives. We know what would have happened if he wasn't, if there are things in our past that he could have, that would have happened if it wasn't for him. See, we're desperate about Jesus and desperate people. When they have faith, They're not going to let anything in their way stop them from getting some time with Jesus. Come on, somebody. But here's the thing. As this woman is getting healed, and it's an awesome picture, this this woman, what what took her 12 years, God did an instant. Um, That's what I love about Jesus is that it doesn't matter how long you've been battling it. All it takes is one moment, Jesus, to claim victory. All it takes is one moment from Jesus to turn everything around. Uh, that's why anybody in the house, don't lose hope yet. Because once Jesus comes into the equation, he can turn everything around just like that. And so this woman gets healed. And it's an awesome moment. And 
Jairus, all right, who the, the, the synagogue leader, the, the, well, who was the local pastor back then. He was a community leader. He, he was high in society. He's watching this, this really outcast woman receive her miracle. And while he is watching her receive her miracle, uh, a person, or while he's watching him receive her miracle, he, he's not stopping him. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, he could have easily said, hey, you know what, uh, um, God, uh, you, you remember my, my daughter? This is the whole reason why you're walking over here, right? You, you're not here for, for that woman. I, I know that woman's hurt, but my daughter is dying right now. Right? My, my, my daughter is, is, is dying right now, and, and so she's more important than, than she is, and she can wait. See, Jairus could have easily said, hey, stop it right now, Jesus. You're getting sidetracked, Jesus, all right? You're getting sidetracked. You, stop it right now. Let's go heal my daughter first, then we'll come back. We'll, we'll get her on the way back. Don't worry. She'll still be there. But he didn't do that. He was watching in reverence this, this woman get her miracle. And that was crazy to me because there's so many times where we want ours first. We always want ours first. We always want our breakthrough first. We always want our miracle first, but the second format is that we got to live a life of celebration. we got to live a life of celebration. By that, I mean that when others experience their miracles, don't be negative about it. Celebrate them. Don't be like, oh, well, God, why did you give them that? They don't really deserve that. Like, hey, remember, God, she's, she's the outcast who's getting healed. I, I'm the community leader. I, I'm more, no, he, he, he watched in reverence, and he could have easily stopped Jesus. And here's what I think what would have happened, that if Jairus would have gotten away of her miracle, he would have missed out on his. You see, that's why we have to live a life of celebration and say, you know what, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm glad that you got your breakthrough because the quickest way to miss out on your miracle is to be, you know, ungrateful about somebody else's miracle, the, to, to be critical about somebody else's miracle. That's the, that's the quickest way to miss out on yours is to say, hey, you know what, their breakthrough, I don't think they deserved it. Uh, I, I, I don't think they, they got, I, I deserve it more than they did. Why did they get that? And if you live with that mindset, you will never find your breakthrough. You'll never find your miracle because you're always being critical about all the other people around you. That's why we got to live a life of celebration. See, if we, if we don't celebrate others' miracles, we'll never see our miracle. We have to celebrate others. We have to live a life of celebration because Jairus could have easily said, me first. Me first. And that's the kind of society we find ourselves in is me first, God. Before them, me first. Before others, me first. And then when God does something for somebody else, we, we get confused. And, uh, and we say, God, uh, why, why did that happen? Why did this happen? And then we get almost to a point where we lose perspective and we lose faith. But when you live a life of celebration, when you see somebody else's miracle happen, it lifts up your faith. And this is what is awesome about Jairus. I think, he saw, I, think he, I think he saw that woman get healed, and he said, if Jesus can do it for her, then he can do it for me. And he can do it for my daughter. I'm going to live a life of celebration. I'm going to celebrate that instead of being negative about it. And I'm going to let that lift my spirits, not damper them. And I'm going to still have faith for others. See, not only should we celebrate others, but we also need to celebrate ourselves. We also need to celebrate our, our, our own miracle. There's, there's times in, in, in lives, especially in 2020, where you're saying, Caleb, nothing has gone my way in over two years. 2020, nothing's gone my way. 
But what I want to challenge that thinking is with this, is that every morning you wake up, that's a miracle. Every breath you take, that's a breakthrough. Because there's so many things that, that, there's so many things that people don't have that you do. And if you live that life, not only celebrating others, but celebrating yourself, your faith is going to be lifted. Your faith is going to be higher than ever. And you'll be excited about every day and say, hey, what is God going to do this day? What is God going to do this day? And instead of, instead of being negative and, and having the, the bad perspective, now you're saying, God, I'm ready. And, you know, not only am I desperate for, for my miracle, but I'm celebrating other people's miracles. And now I'm associating myself with that. We have to be able to celebrate others. See, we cannot let the enemy take our day. For today is the day the who's has made? The Lord has made. But a lot of us, we let the enemy take the day. We let the enemy take our day. But if we have that perspective of celebration, every day we're going to say, God, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? I know you have something awesome in store for me. I know today's going to be an awesome day because you did it for so-and-so. And so-and-so just had, had an awesome moment. So-and-so just got a raise. So-and-so just got a new house. That's awesome for them. And if you can do it for them, you can do it for me. And if you live that kind of life, you have that type of perspective, you're going to see God moving in your life all the time. You're going to see the hand of God constantly be on you every step of the way because you're formatting your life for a life of faith. In verse 49, so Jairus, he, he, he is watching all this happen. And he's watching this, this, this woman. And it's in verse 49. It said, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear. Only believe, and she will be healed. So as Jairus is watching this woman be healed, he gets the news that his daughter is dead. And then he's told that it's too late. It's over. It, it, you, you were too late. Je Jesus was too late to the moment. Uh, you, it's too late. You might as well give up. Don't even waste Jesus' time. It, it, it's too late to start correcting bad habits. It's, it's too late to, to start telling the, the truth more often or being kind to people. It's too late. And See, never let the enemy tell you it's too late, even when things seem dead. Even when things don't seem like they're going to work out for you in the end, because what Jesus is about to, to, to display in the scripture is that he has resurrection power on the inside of him. So even what the world calls dead, Jesus says it's not done yet. Even, even if there's things in your life that you've given up on, if there's some dreams that you think that are dead, if there's some, some uh, things that God has given you that you've given up on, and you say, hey, I've already totally forgot about that, God hasn't forgot about it yet. That's what's awesome about God. He never forgets about the promises he gave you. You might forget. We might forget, but God doesn't. And he will always give us the opportunity to, to believe. Right? What, what, what did Jesus tell you all? Say, well, I know what it looks like. I, I, I know what they just said. I, I know what 2020 looks like. I, I know what the bank account looks like. I, I know what the doctors just told you. But don't be afraid. Right? Don't, don't be afraid. Just believe. Because Jesus understood that the moment fear gets in the equation, it can blur your faith. The, the, the moment the world tells you something you didn't want to hear, it can blur your faith. And if you react in fear, you will miss out on your miracle. 
See, that's why we always got to respond by faith, not react by fear. Fear is always the first emotion that we, that we feel drawn to do. The, the, the world gives us a bad report. We, that first uh, reaction that we have is, oh, my gosh, it's over. Uh, 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 oh, I, I, I might lose my job. Oh, how am I going to feed the kids? The first thing that we always react is with fear. That's why Jesus told Jairus, hey, I know what you just heard, but hold up, hold up. Don't, don't react with fear yet. Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. That's the third format to, to build our life around is that to live a life of anticipation. Live a life of anticipation. You see, if we live a life, instead of anticipating the worst, we anticipate the best. Because that's what faith is. Faith is God's going to do the best in my life. Fear is my life's about to get the worst and expecting the worst. If we live a life of anticipation, expecting the best to happen, and believing that God can make it happen, that's when you're going to see God is going to make it happen in your life. You see, if we live that life of anticipation, and then life throws us a curveball, and instead of anticipating the worst, we anticipate the best, and we, and we respond with faith and not react by fear, that is when we're going to be able to really see, see how our miracle is going to work out. And because we're not going to lose our trust in Jesus, we're not going to lose our, 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 our hope in what he's telling us to do. That's why it's so awesome what, what Jesus told Jairus, because we all would be afraid in that moment. But Jesus sees the beginning from the end. And he says, I, I know this moment looks like it's over, but I see how this all works out. And if you stay with me, if you stick with me through the dead times, through the dull times, through the dark times, if you stick with me, I'm telling you there's a, a new morning on the other side of this. I'm telling you there's, there's, there's something awesome on the other side of this. Because a lot of us, what we do, as soon as things get dark, we turn off the lights and say it's over. But God said, hold on, I, I see how this all works out, Jairus. If you just don't be afraid and if you just believe, your daughter's going to be healed. And Jesus tells him this. And so he is beginning to anticipate the best in his life. See, faith is, is, the, belief that the, is the belief that the best is going to happen. That's kind of person and, and people I, I want us to be, that the best is going to happen. I don't want any negative Nancys or Debbie Downers, right? Because I want to enter the room, and I want to uplift the room. I, I, I want to enter the room, and instead of saying what the worst thing could happen, I, I want to say what the best thing could happen. I, I don't want to enter the room and to suck the faith out the room, right? I, I want to say, hey, no, God still got you. Hey, I know things look dark right now, but, but God is still in control. And if there's one message that we need in 2020 is that God's not off the throne yet. He'll never be off the throne. He, he's still in control. And if we just hold on to him, we live a life of anticipation, and we say, God, I know how it looks like, but I know what kind of God I serve, and I know that you have resurrection power, and I know you can turn anything around for your glory. If I live and I anticipate those things to happen, I'm going to see them come fruitful in my life. See, we can't respond, we can't react with fear. We can't react with fear. As a church, what our mandate is to do is to, what we talked about at the beginning, is that faith is the, is the substance of things hoped for, for, for the evidence of things not seen. If we just live our life based on what our eyes can see, we're going to be capping our, our, our impact on the world. But if we live a life and saying, God, you can do all things, 
if we live a life that's a greater is me than he that is in the world, and if I have faith in, 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 in God and that he's in control of everything, I'm going to see the impossible happen in my life. That is when you're going to see, and that's how we can impact the world around us. Let us not be the person that, that brings out the worst in the situation. Let's bring out the best. Let's make sure that as the church, we're not speaking fear, but we're professing faith. That we're saying, God, I know what it looks like right now. Uh, I, I can just imagine the, the Jairus, he, he just heard how his daughter is dead. And I just imagine what he's feeling on the inside. And then Jesus, this, this man so much filled with faith, he said, hey, just don't be afraid and just believe and watch what happens. That's what life is as, as a follower of Jesus. Don't be afraid, just believe and watch what happens. Some awesome things are going to happen in our lives if we just believe. Some breakthroughs are going to happen in our lives if, if we just believe. You see, if we live that life of faith and we format it with, with, with that anticipation, that desperation for Jesus and that celebration for others, I'm telling church family, you're going to watch miracles happen in your life all the time. As I'm closing, can you stand with me? We're going to close with this scripture in Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 36. This is Peter, and he's talking to this church, and he says, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Say no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. See, I have some good news for you tonight, church, is that when God looks at us, he looks at us the way and he responds to us the way, in the same way with Jairus and the woman with the issue of blood. He didn't look at their social class. He, he doesn't look at, at what they mean to the community, if they're outcasts, if they're leaders, if they're synagogue leaders, or if, or if there's somebody with an issue of blood. He doesn't look like, he shows no favoritism. And what's awesome about that is that our faith can never be canceled by, by who we are or where we are. And what I want to close with tonight is that faith does not discriminate. Faith does not discriminate. What I mean by that is that no matter what situation you are in, no, no matter where you find yourself in life, have joy in your heart and your mind knowing that my faith, when I respond with it, 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 it doesn't move God more if, if I'm a bigger name or smaller name. It doesn't move God more if I'm a pastor or, or not. But if I have faith, God doesn't show favoritism to this person's faith and not that person's faith. God doesn't say, oh, you know what, I'm going to do this and not that. When I show faith to God and when I put my belief in him, I'm going to see miracles rain down from heaven. Because faith does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if I've failed yesterday or five minutes ago. If I have faith in the moment right now, it's going to be as powerful if you had faith for a, for a hundred years. Because faith does not discriminate. I don't know where we found ourselves at tonight. I, I don't know if, if we think we're in a moment of our lives, if we find ourselves in a place that, that it's tearing us down so low where we've given up on faith. We've given up on the idea 
that if I just go all out for God, maybe this will change because you might find yourself, you might be the, the woman with the issue of blood. You've been trying all that you could for years. You've read every self-help book. Uh, you've listened to every podcast. You've gone to counseling. You've gone to doctors. You've tried everything you could and still nothing. This is your moment to be desperate for a move from God. This is your moment to, to, to crawl through the crowd, crawl through the noise, crawl through the, the, the naysayers, and even through your own thoughts and say, you know what? Tonight can be my night for God to turn around what I've been dealing with for years. Tonight can be the night for God to transform something on the inside of me that I thought was dead. Tonight can be the, can be the night when God turns around all things, things I've been dealing with, depression, anxiety, things that I thought I could never get over. So there, there are some things in our lives that we've just accepted. I'm sure that this woman with the issue of blood was very close to accepting that my life is always going to be a, a woman with this disease. Uh, I'm pretty certain she was close to accepting that, you know what, it's never going to change. But as soon as she reached out by faith and reached out for that garment in an instant, and in a moment, she was restored. And I believe that we serve the same God, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I want us to just kind of stir up the atmosphere and say, Father, I want to step out by faith tonight. I want to step out by faith that I can defeat this addiction, that I can't defeat this depression. I believe that if I fill myself up with your spirit and that if I step out by faith, I do believe that this anxiety that feels like it's the heaviest thing on my shoulders, that it can be lifted in a moment and not going to be by the self-help book, but it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. Because there's a powerful thing in the atmosphere right now. And if we all agree by faith to step out, God's going to do some awesome things. I want to tie a bow with this prayer. Because there's some people in this room who feel like it's the end. There's some people in this, in this, in this room who feels like they've, they have just been told that their daughter is dead and they feel like it's over. They have just been told that, that they're not going to have enough money for the end of the month and feel like it's over. They've just been told some things and they feel like it's over on the inside. But we need to be reminded about the power of Jesus. And he said, don't be afraid, just believe. So, Father, right now we thank you for faith. We thank you, God, that we're not reacting by fear, but we're going to respond by faith. That we're going to walk into rooms, God. We're going to go back to our families. We're going to go back to our workplace. And, Father, we're going to instill faith in the atmosphere. We're going to be encouraging about others, God. We thank you, Father, that, that tonight, God, we're going to format our lives to live a life of faith. I, I want to live a life of, of faith that's risky, faith that's desperate, faith that says, God, I, I need you in my life. I, I need you, God, to do this breakthrough, to, to have this miracle, because without you, I, I wouldn't have nothing. I, I, we need that type of faith that doesn't have plan Bs, that doesn't have safety nets, that goes all in on Jesus and says, God, I, I need you in this moment. And with that kind of faith, we're going to see the impossible happen. We're going to watch things turn around. We're going to watch the dead come alive. If, if there's people in this place who've given up on dreams, who's given up on ambitions that God called them to pursue right now, God is restoring them in this moment. Father, we thank you that we're going to live a life of faith. We're not going to be driven by fear, but we're going to be led by faith. We're not going to be scared to step out, but we're going to step out by faith, God, because we know that if we just follow after you, 
And if we just reject fear and just believe, we're going to watch our lives be a, be a, a shining moment, a, a light in the darkness for others to see and to realize that there is a God. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that if he did it for you, he can do it for me. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. If we live that kind of life, we're going to watch the impossible happen over and over again. We thank you, Jesus, for what you did tonight, God. We, we give you all the glory and all the praise. We thank you, Father, for the chains falling off. We thank you, Father, for, for the haziness of anxiety going away. But now we can see clearly that you are in control. We're not driven by fear. We're led by faith. We love you, Jesus. You're so good to us. And, and everybody in the place, come on, say amen. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. If you believe, thank you, Father. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.